Blog Talk Radio. to raise the question, what is it that we're going to do independent of white people? It is very, very hard for us to envision a world without white people. But we cannot create our own agenda until and unless we can define an agenda that can envision a world in which they don't exist. Now we have to wake up and come back to the reality of them. But certainly when we talk about a future, we have to talk about a future from our point of view and our historical understanding of reality. Majwo, Habargani, Salbona, Nangadef, Anisogoma, Yimhotep, Indamanesh, Indamana, Peace, War, Yo, what's up? Peace, African people, Pan-African greetings. This is your host, Kamal Mukasey Tahuti, and you have entered Africa's Reascension. As usual, we will open up the show with an apai or a libation, which deliberately calls upon the energies of our African gods, our African spirits, and the forces of those yet born to guide and bless this endeavor. A go, a go, a go. Odumakuma, Nana Sergi B and Sa, Nana Esiketuwa and Sa, Nana Dadakofi and Sa, Nana Tigre, Nana Tigre, Nana Tigre and Sa, Kweku Free and Sa, Akonade Aben and Sa, Asubonten and Sa, Ocherewa and Sa, Tamensa and Sa, Ogun, Ogun, Ogun and Sa, Shango and Sa, Yemeya and Sa, Chehuti and Sa, Maat and Sa, Nokumbowane and Sa, Nananom and Samanfu and Sa, and Samanfu Abasuofau and Sa, Abasun Abasuofau and Sa. I ask Odumakuma Inyame Inyamewa to use me and this form to impart clarity and cultural consistency to all within the sound of my voice. May I speak directly to your soon soon, your spirit, and reawaken the long, dormant, asleep African inside you. Yeshrimo Yansa, Yeshrimo Ahoden, Yeshrimo Nchera, Yeshrimo Sikapa, Yeshrimo Nkwaso, Yeshrimo Nkwaso Abasuafau, Yea, and Quasso. Medasi Pa, Medasi Bio, Mo Piafo, 
Mone Casa. Madasse, nana no. Yo, Madasse, nana no. The apai or libation is an ancient practice that is still done to this day in all rural traditional areas throughout the continent that we now call Africa. Present, past, and future become one as those of tomorrow look upon what we are doing now and drawing strength from and doing the rituals of yesterday. Again, I want to say welcome to everyone. You are listening to Africa's Reascension. Today we're going to keep it pretty light. We did three, a nice long three-part series exposing the fallacy of the African origins of Christianity. And so this time around we're just going to do some interesting news items and a few um bring up some information and a few interesting books that have come across my 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 my, my path and we'll do a brief um intro review, if you will, of at least chapter one of Rooming in the Master's House, um, Power and Privilege and the Rise of Black Conservatism, the new book by Malifia Sante and Ronald E. Hall. Um pretty interesting. Still not finished with it yet, but there are a few things in chapter in the intro and in Chapter 1 that I want to get into and share. Um, then, like I said, there's also some other books that are out. Um, some have some good information in them, some have some crap in them, and so we'll share both. Uh, but before we get into that, play a few. Oh, even before I say that, um, for those who are at the computer, please, when you're at the show page, click all of the links that's on the show page, that that, that helps me out. Um, If you're on the show page, you see there are three books that are dealing with the show topic, and then there are other ads there as well. Just click on the three book links and click on the other ads on the um, show. That that helps me out. I'm in a program with Blog Talk Radio and just clicking on those ads. Even if you don't buy none, just clicking on them helps me out. So, you know, if you all could do that, that would be great. And we also have started a YouTube page. You know, just go to YouTube and type in Africa's Reascension, and I've uploaded 15 minutes of um, snippets from the past shows, um, as well as you know, I've you, you know, you go through your uh, YouTube and they have other African clips on there. So I favorited about 70 or so of them. I just came across a. Um, hour-and-a-half lecture that our brother um, Fuki Albonseki did on the um, role of ancestors, which is very, 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 very good. Um, And so I I have that on the YouTube page, too. So, again, it's uh, just YouTube.com, and then search Africa's Reascension, and you'll go to the page, you know, add some comments, and if you like it or dislike it, whatever, whatnot, uh, that would be great as well. So... For all folks who are in the chat room who want to get involved and talk about some of the stuff we're going to bring up, 760-454-1111, 760-454-1111. And if you are already in the call queue, you know, after we start talking and stuff, you want to chime in at, 
your voice into the discussion. Just hit one on the keypad, and we'll bring you in live. So let's play a few commercials, maybe some music, and get back into some of these interesting news items. Hotep, I'm Shakan Dugu Kemet. Check out AfroStyly, that's A-F-R-O-S-T-Y-L-Y dot com slash English. If you have not yet seen Introduction to Kemet, you're already sleeping. I don't argue, I state facts. Hence why I check the Hebrew Israelites, the black Muslims, Ali Muhammad, Dr. Wesley Muhammad, the Moors, and many others. No matter what, I never lied on them, disrespected them, nor called them names. I also prove that Allah is not written in hieroglyphics. I thank Brother Holy Psism for the opportunity. Asante and Hotep to all non-religious heterosexual Africans worldwide. Welcome to the desert of the real. Peace, family. This is your brother, Hollip, a.k.a. Mr. Holipsis, a.k.a. the Buzz Killer. Tune in to Holipsism's Haven every Sunday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we discuss the social, economic, and political issues of the day with a common-sense approach, an African-centered perspective, and a universal sensibility. Call in number 347-843-4874. That's 347-843-4874. To check out related YouTube videos, blogs, and show archives, visit www.holipsism.com. That's www.holipsism.com. I'm making it hard to get your Negro on. Hotep, Black Power. There's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there, like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. Propaganda is a weapon. We'll stay stuck at the crossroads with no type of progression. And 
they would have you think that everybody else is savages The world stars while they live fat off the damages Carnivore consumers overfed and undernourished The fact that they engineer death is not a rumor uh-huh. But the facts are cloaked in secrecy Cause they don't want us to see Newsflash, niggas life exists outside of BET no. So stop the party for a second Distraction is a weapon They be plotting while we in the club Two-stepping Two steps away from grades and cell blocks We dance a deadly dance of bullets and bravado We've learned that leaders are assassinated So in fear we follow Whatever trends they use to reel us in We swallow the tail ends and leftovers Hit a downward spiral when we started defining success In suburban homes and Range Rovers True freedom fighters know that success is power It's not fighting to be part of theirs It's building ours And of the four horsemen beware the last rider A mercenary with the dark soul for hire but the ancient people say the world will see a cleansing fire And ashes will remain where once stood its empire And of the four horsemen, beware the last rider A mercenary with the dark soul for hire But the ancient people say the world will see a cleansing fire And ashes will remain so let these bars be the catalyst to mobilize the masses through the music. Grab your matches and let's do it. Time to spark an evolution. Build a movement out of baseline. Snares that hit like tech nines. You can find artists politicking on the front lines. Every verse I transcribe is built with the mission. Speak for those whose voice gets lost in the system. Breed dissension. Cultivate diligence with precision. Blend Afrocentric rhythms with the prophet Malcolm's vision. Fill it. We understand the nature of the masses. Politics that got more of us tucked away in jail. Instead of colleges, look how we live Surviving on a bare minimum Piled high in projects and roach infested tenements Seeds are vacant, hooked on Ritalin and Playstation Misinformation and textbooks don't equate to education Still waiting on saviors, we need to start to save us Niggas praying on their knees while cops brutalize their neighbors Do me your favor, next time you hear 41 shots Compare the effectiveness of a Bible versus a Glock I bullshit you not, we living in a Pandora's box So many of my brothers living on three Squares in the cot, queens raising kids solo, giving all that they got, and seen girls nearly illiterate but know how to pop. When will it stop? It's time we shake it up at the top. Nelly was a prophet when he said it's starting to get hot. We wait. Yeah, that's from that cut was called Last Writer again from Theory. Uh, we played one of her other pieces last week. <clears throat> She dropped the album, I think this was 2006, 2007, from Flint, Michigan, called Home Girls and Hand Grenades. Um, outside of the fact, again, she is blessed with great lyrical ability, um, she has some definite um, conscious songs in there that make you think, and so definitely had to add that in and um, hopefully even be adding some more in into the um, files archive in the future. So a few of the stories going to bring up during this news hour. Um, this one comes from um, Jaja Asenra, um, San Diego Foreign Policy Examiner, August 29th of this year. He writes about Africa's Christian terrorist group, the Lord's Resistance Army. Over the past decade, News about Muslim terrorist groups have dominated the mass media outlets around the world. However, very little attention has been given to one of the most vicious terrorist groups in the world, the LRA, the Lord's Resistance Army. The LRA began its attacks against the Ugandan government over 20 years ago. 
Their goal is to establish a state based on the Ten Commandments and traditional Acholi beliefs. They initially operated only in Uganda, but have now spread to neighboring countries, Sudan, Central African Republic, and Democratic Republic of the Congo. The LRA is accused of widespread atrocities, including murder, abduction, mutilation, raping, and forcing forcing children to participate in these atrocities. One One of the LRA's most noteworthy massacres occurred in December 2009 in the Democratic Republic of Congo, where they killed at least 321 civilians and abducted 250 children and young adults. Also, this month's raping in August, late August, of almost 150 women and children in the DRC is also more than likely the work of the LRA, the Lord's Resistance Army. In an effort to address these atrocities caused by this group in May of this year, um, y'all President Obama signed the LRA Disarmament in Northern Uganda Recovery Act into law. This law mandates that Obama will devise an interagency strategy to prevent LRA violence, which should include a multilateral plan to apprehend top LRA leaders, encourage defectors of rebel commanders, demobilize children, soldiers, and protect the civilians. It calls on the U.S. to dedicate $10 million in emergency support to communities of the DRC, South Sudan, and CAR most affected by the LRA attacks. It recommends Congress to increase funding for reconstruction assistance to northern Uganda in future fiscal years, providing that the Ugandan government takes steps to effectively implement economic recovery plans, and it requires the Obama administration to report on the effectiveness of U.S. assistance to northern Uganda and work with international partners and the Ugandan government to strengthen accountability um, to ensure transparency and timely use of funds. I just think that's interesting. One, again, that you get that there was no play, no talk of this in any of the media, but any little group that's got Muslim ties um, gets front front time on CNN, um, MSNBC, or whatever, whatnot. Uh, one, I'm sure it's because of black folks killing black folks and they don't care. But then also, they directly call themselves the Lord's Resistance Army, um, basing their stuff on the Ten Commandments. Now, what's the, the interesting piece for me is that they're tying in some of their traditional beliefs with this Christian piece. Now, you know, it's like one thing, the traditional, most of the traditional and rural beliefs do not proselytize, and they don't kill you if 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 you believe in Olorun and they believe in Kulu Kulu, you got to go to war because of that. That that usually I have come across no research that shows that 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 happens. Religious wars happening on the continent, especially in um, pre-colonial times, and so then when you add in this Christian piece, which is definitely and directly um, proselytized-oriented, missionary-oriented, um, all of Deuteronomy in the Old Testament tells you to kill folks who don't believe like you do and all that sort of stuff. It's interesting to see that once that um, foreign bastardized um, proselytizing system got wedded into the African belief system, now folks are going through and uh, 
killer folks to get other folks to believe the way they believe. So hopefully um, investigative reporter Mr. Adam Rock can um, follow this story and see what happens, see if it gets expanded on, um, if they can be stamped out. Um, and, yeah, so that's, that's just an interesting story that got no play, um, probably because of his Christian links, and so folks don't want to, you know, put Christianity in a bad light on that level, so it won't get front page. It'll be on the back page of A26 somewhere. Um, another news story that came across um, my path was written by Anita Allen, um, for the Daily Beast, she's a uh, professor of law and philosophy at the University of Pennsylvania, but she also writes on everyday ethics. And I'm just thinking, if what I'm about to read, if this law has always been in effect, almost 90% of the gangster rappers <laughs> would be in jail right now. When a rap he wrote as a teenager ended up on MySpace years ago, Ontavio Johnson found the police at his door, and now he's been sentenced to two years' hard time for a song lyric. Yeah, you heard that right, for a song lyric. Um, Ontavio Johnson wrote Kill Me a Cop, a rap song threatening to murder two police officers he said had harassed him. The song announced, I'm going to kill me a cop one day. It called out two specific officers, one male, one female, by name, both both in the um, Lakeland, Florida Police Department, both of whom would be shot with a Glock in the dome if they ever get my timing wrong. A couple of years later, a couple of years later, Lakeland detectives researching gang life on the Internet found, found Johnson's song on a MySpace page belonging to an entity called Hood Certified Entertainment. Now, Ontavio was already in jail for violating probation on a um, cocaine conviction. The now 20-year-old Johnson was convicted on two counts of a weirdly titled crime he's probably never heard of, corruption by threat of public servants. Section 838.021 of the Florida statutes make it a third-degree felony to harm or threaten to harm public servants, their families, or the people they care about. The statute, which is designed to deter corruption and punish extortion, requires that threats be made with the intent or purpose to influence public servants' performance of their official responsibilities. Now, in a 2007 case, a disorderly man was prosecuted under the statute for repeatedly asking to see the badges of undercover officers, but he was acquitted. In a 2008 case, another disorderly Florida man was prosecuted and acquitted under the statute. This one, a DUI arrestee in handcuffs who threatened to slit the arresting officer's throat and beat his ass if the officers were to free him. The court concluded that the man's threats lacked the requisite intent to influence the officer. 
merely threatening the life of an officer, even to his face, is not enough for conviction. So did Johnson deserve a two-year sentence for some ill-conceived lyrics he wrote as a teenager? No, it's outrageous. He's young and caught up in a culture that glorifies both violence and freedom of expression. Um, But the people arguing that all words set the song are protected by freedom of speech are also wrong. The Florida chapter of the ACLU came out in Johnson's defense. They're quoted as saying, don't punish for bad thoughts. We don't, oh, sorry. We don't punish for bad thoughts in America. Um, And then someone else on the op-ed piece of the Palm Beach Post warned, thought police anyone? Criminalizing Johnson's early crude attempts at expression seemed borderline unconstitutional and counterproductive. Thought police, anyone? But these weren't just thoughts. They were statements. And American law takes verbal injury seriously. Um, For all the protection afforded by the First Amendment, the Constitution doesn't protect dangerous and offensive speech absolutely. There is no unqualified freedom of speech to lie about a person that constitutes defamation. There's no unqualified freedom of speech to publish private facts about a person who aren't, who aren't newsworthy. That would be invasion of privacy. And there's no unqualified freedom of speech to make threats to do a person bodily harm. That amounts to what the common law calls assault. So if you can't verbally assault, Why should you be able to get away with threatening to kill? The answer is that you shouldn't. The question is, what should the legal consequences be? Is civil liability enough? Should there be criminal liability as well? Um, And she goes on and asks some more questions. Um, If death threats are to be crimes as well as the civil wrongs we lawyers call torts, the punishment should be tailored to fit culpability. Perpetrators of verbal threats who have never lifted a finger against anyone do not deserve to be thrown in jail for two years. She shares a personal experience. A $400 fine and a tash, excuse me, a $400 fine and a tongue lashing would be fair. That's the punishment a judge imposed on a wealthy white businessman in her neighborhood who took a dislike to her 12-year-old son, Ms. Allen's son and threatened to his face as he walked home from school from the school bus one day to fuck him up if he ever went near his children. As truthfully awful as it is, disrespecting police officers is not a wrong that it takes two years in jail to write. And there's some other stuff here too, but I just found that very interesting that he wrote some lyrics as a teenager uh, about killing the cop. And then they found it later on, doing something completely different, not even related to him. And then I guess since he was already in jail for violating um, probation, they decided to add on another two years uh, to his sentence because of this. And like I said at the beginning, if if dogging out if dogging out um, cops and public servants and all of that was really, really to be enforced. Uh, Like I say, about 90% of the gangster rappers would be in jail today. Um, I know when when, um, Ice-T had his song, Cop Killer, um, I was was lucky and able to get the original 
um, tape of it right when it first came out, before it got edited, before his um, producers and all the heat came on him and he had to retract it and then take it off and then re-put the album out without that song on there. Um, I mean, I guess it's that that statute isn't in California (laughs) because NWA made a killing off of Fuck the Police. Uh, and 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 we know all through the gangster rap culture on the West Coast and down South, I'm sure you've heard, and I know I've heard plenty of songs talking about beating this cop down, um, beating down um, what was her name? Um, that the, the Reverend and C. Dolores Tucker um, for their their um, their critique, and that's a nice word of gangster rap, even going so far as to put a whole bunch of them out in front of, a whole bunch of CDs out in front of one of the uh, main studios and then getting a bulldozer, you know, with cameras there too, to run over them. You know, there was plenty of songs talking about whooping their ass and hanging them up and stuff. So I, I guess those statutes, that particular statute wasn't there in those places also. But... um. Wow, two years <laughs> in jail for saying you're going to beat somebody's ass. Wow. So if I say I want to beat Skip Gates' ass and Kwame Appiah's ass for um, being black folks but hating their blackness, they're going to charge me for it. I don't know if that statute's here in D.C. or not. But, hmm. Anyway. Another news item, again, from um, Brother Jaja out of San Diego. Um, This was September 12th. U.S. Senator proposes legislation to lift economic sanctions against Zimbabwe. Oklahoma Republican Senator Jim Inhofe, I-N-H-O-S-E, has introduced new legislation to lift economic sanctions or, as it's called, the Zimbabwe Transition to Democracy and Economic Recovery Act of 2010, ZDIRA, um, imposed on Zimbabwe by the U.S. Senator, who's a member of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. Um, He stated, I am pleased that the African nation of Zimbabwe continues to recover under the new power-sharing leadership set by both the U.S. and the South African development community. I commend the efforts of the power-sharing government there as they have reduced inflation and improved GDP in basic government services like medicine, education, transportation. It's my hope that my legislation will help Zimbabwe return to being called the breadbasket of Africa and continue on the road to democracy. Zidira was introduced in December 2001 by the Bush administration and was the primary cause of the the collapse of the Zimbabwe currency and trade surplus in 2002. Um, And those sanctions, as we know, were imposed on the government without the purview of the U.N., now, back in March 2010, y'all president announced that the U.S. would be extending the sanctions against Zimbabwe. Um, his reasons, I am continuing 
for one year the national emergency with respect to the actions and policies of certain members of government of Zimbabwe and other persons to undermine Zimbabwe's democratic processes or institutions. So, uh, that yeah, that was in May, and he introduced this into September. I haven't, excuse me, that was in March, and this article was written in September, so have to do some more digging to see how far this bill is um, has been pushed or if it's sitting on somebody's desk. Um, Y'all president extended the sanctions despite the 2008 power sharing agreement brokered by the SADC. Um, in the agreement, Mugabe remains as president and opposition leader uh, Morgan. I always, I always mispronounce his name. Von, Von Skirai, Von Skirai, I think, would be prime minister. Um, since this agreement, the Zimbabwe economy has shown signs of recovery and many democratic processes have been restored. Um, so the senator's new legislation would repeal the sanctions and allow Zimbabwe economy and the people to recover. Um, so you see, that's one thing that the U.S. and other Caucasoid powers will do when you stand up and go against them and try to call them to some truth matters, um, they put sanctions on you to throw your government spiraling downward and then do a whole bunch of newscasts talk about how your country is spiraling downward. But forget the fact that the Lancaster Agreement was not lived up to and uh, Mugabe and other folks got tired of, the Caucasoid invaders who were in Zimbabwe having all the best land and the, 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 the rightful owners of the land, the people of Zimbabwe, the African people of Zimbabwe living on the squalid land and not being able to um, plant and, and, and live and subsist. And so they decided to um, take the land back in some areas by force um, based on Britain and everyone else, all the other Caucasoids, non-compliance to this Lancaster Agreement. And so then the sanctions were imposed. Then all the negative media in Zimbabwe came and all that sort of stuff. And so now I ain't saying Mugabe's hands are fully clean. It's possible he did take out a whole bunch of um, um, Shonen and Debele people, uh, from a person, from a, uh, a, a contact that I have that that, that is is in Africa, um, he says a large amount of those people that that may have lost their lives under Mugabe's regime uh, were more the sellouts, um, were people who were again pushing more of the European agenda versus uh, wanting to get Zimbabwe to be a sovereign country on African soil. Um, I haven't followed that story up to. Um, confirm or deny those stories, but um, I'll just say that Mugabe's hands aren't fully clean, but the, the, the Pan-Africanist and nationalist community do stand behind him and and wanting Zimbabwe for African people, um, and if not fully kicking off these colonizing white folks off their land, at least forcing them to... Um, Live by Zimbabwean rules and um, give up the land that they said they were going to give up. 
don't have to take more than what was in the Lancaster Agreement, but at least let's go with what was um, stated in the agreement and go from there. These last two in this part are very interesting. I'm trying to decide which one I should bring up first. Uh, I'll bring up this one first. Again, um, coming from the San Diego Foreign Policy Examiner, black organizations listed in the Department of Justice Guide to Investigating Terrorism and Criminal Extremism. This was back this, this article was done August 30th this year. The Department of Justice recently updated its 2005 to 2009 law enforcement guide to investigating terrorism and criminal extremism terms and concepts. They have a whole book that they put out on this. Its primary purpose is to be used as a, I quote, a tool for criminal justice professionals to enhance their understanding of words related to extremist terminology, phrases, activities, symbols, organizations, and selected names that they may encounter when conducting criminal investigations or prosecutions of members of extremist organizations. Included are terms that may be germane to members of extremist movements. Also defined are words that are singularly employed by specific extremist groups. Now, peep this. The guide listed African-American organizations with other notorious organizations such as the Aryan Brotherhood, the KKK, and Al-Qaeda. He was able to, the, 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 the reporter, Atten Ra, was able to find three African-American organizations that was listed in this group that's listing terrorists, Groups and ex criminal extremist groups. Now, now, y'all, let me know if y'all see these three groups that I'm about to mention as groups that should be classified as terrorists or extremists. The Washita Nation, a Louisiana-based sovereignty citizen group with an unusual twist. The Washita Nation, led by the Empress of the Washita. Um, I can't even pronounce that name. A person named Veridice Tierra Washita Turner, Gaston L. Bay, claim that they are the descendants of the ancient mole mound builders and are thus the original sovereign citizens of the U.S. and own the Louisiana Purchase. So the Washita Nation is listed in the Department of Justice grouping of terrorists and extreme criminal, criminal groups. Another group that's listed are the Moors a term used to describe a variety of different groups, ranging in size from very small to tens of thousands who espouse theories suggesting a variety of mythical doctrines, such as that African Americans are actually indigenous people of North America or the descendants of the lost city of Atlantis. These groups whose members are African American have tended to appro appropriate sovereign citizen rhetoric and tactics for their own purposes. And also, and often has close contacts with white sovereign citizen groups. The last black group that's listed as terrorist group or an extreme or an extremist group, the New Black Panther Party for Self Defense, established by Khalid Abdul Muhammad around 1996 to resurrect the original Black Panther Party for Self Defense. The New Panthers claim to have 80 chapters across the country. 
included in the areas of New York, Houston, and D.C. They have shown their resolve by marching with weapons in plain sight in Jasper, Texas, following the dragging death of um, James Byrd in 98, and at the Texas State Prison in Huntsville, Texas, in 2000, to protest the impending execution of a black man. They continue to organize demonstrations that have been criticized for their racial and quote-unquote anti-Semitic tone. So let's be clear. Um, some folks are watching. <laughs> some folks are listening and watching and seeing what's being said. And again, you know, hey, if it's about truth, and I don't think on here on Africa's reascension we'll be talking about uh, killing those folks or, hmm, well, I won't fully rule out, but. Is that just interesting? <laughs> the Washington Nation, the Moors, and the New Black Part—the New Black Panther Party for Self-Defense are all listed in the Department of Justice Guide to Investigating Terrorism and Criminal Extremism. I'm gonna have to get a copy. I actually did download a copy of that guide to see if there was other groups listed, and I haven't come across any. But it's kind of a big book, so a big document. So I'll keep digging. Um, okay, we got somebody with their hand up, so let me go ahead and bring them in. 202-3957. Did it work? Okay, for the evolutionary. There you go. How's it going, y'all? I'm good, bro. I'm good. Uh the last piece you just mentioned um, about the terrorist listing, um, because of the uh, the training I've done with um, FEMA and, and Department of Homeland Security to make sure that um, I have the, the necessary tools and to help our people become more self-reliant. Um, there's a lot of different organizations that's listed within um, the, the terrorism piece because terrorism is, is high on the list in regards to preparedness, and PETA is actually on that list. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, there's a couple I can't think of. There's, a, there's a, a couple of other groups you'd be surprised are on that list because they are uh, resolved into being basically against what the constitutional laws are. So the reason why they're on that list is that they're threats to the Constitution. And in, in, in the sense of what the Constitution has, is, is the, excuse me, the United States Constitution is trying to implement and trying to um, make sure that they create this particular society. So when you hear about anything dealing with sovereignty and detaching from the infrastructure is in, in, in the mind of the government 
a close a close cousin to insurrection, a close cousin to rebellion, a close cousin to you know um, revolution. Mm. So let me so, ask you this. Uh, let me ask you this, brother Yad. I know that there's been a, a, a nice, bigger, a larger amount of talk going on within the nationalist communities about nation building. And and, mm-hmm. and and about you know sovereignty and stuff like that. Um, do do you see do you see the the day coming where those individuals or those groups might even get listed on there too, even if they're not talking about killing nobody else and taking out you know walking down the streets with guns and nothing like that, just to talk and maybe moving on it. Do you see that that they'll be listed like that someday? Um, if not already, absolutely, because detaching from the system makes you a threat, period. So if you're sovereign, so if you're talking about, for example, the reason why the Moors are listed, because the Moors have been successfully um, countering much of what has been in place using um, the system against itself, basically. So they've brought up the flaws that exist and the and the contradictions, and have been altering how things how things are perceived. And so they're a threat to the status quo. They're a threat to the mechanism. They're a threat to how the, the system is working and how the system is flowing to keep. You know this 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 uh, infrastructure, if you will, um, nice, tidy, and neat. But more specifically, you know, I've, I've I've spoken to a couple of brothers, and they speak about knowing the law and, and how you need to be understanding this, that, and, and the fourth, and they're accurate, and they, you know, have had success, but having success against or having success that allows you to counter what the government is doing means that you are a threat, pretty simply. But see, I'm like, yes, I, I see that. But how successful are they, for real, for real? I mean, I, I know a brother, again, who's gotten folks who, who've gotten um, um, home loans, um, re- the, the, the paying back of certain loans retracted, um, he showed me documentation on the student loan being repaid to him, or he didn't have to repay it. But, I mean, and so it's like on small individual levels, yeah, I'm seeing the successes, but if we're talking sovereignty, where are these long tracts of land, where are their buildings from getting all this money back and then being able to buy up some buildings and create an actual sovereign space and area? They've been doing this for a few decades now, and I'm not seeing that type of success. So there's success in arguing against the white man on a few things, but are they really successful in the larger black black reality from your experience? Well, there's two ways to look at that. Either the unwilling or unable. Um, unwilling means when I say unwilling meaning well let me say unable first, excuse me. I say unable, meaning that they're unable to connect the actual sovereignty 
actually means controlling one's, you know, basic survival needs of food, warmth, and shelter. And I say unable, uh, I say that they're unable is meaning that they have not fully grasped the concept and a, a form that makes the, the taking care of the basic survival needs part of their overall strategy and tactics that they've been mm. using legally. Now, the okay. unwilling piece is possibly they know that that is actually what they need to be doing and should be doing, but they cannot do it because that also means they have to be able to defend themselves. And the minute you start talking about defending yourself, then you're definitely talking about becoming a a full-fledged enemy of the state. And possibly they don't want to do that or speak about that because they're not prepared to defend themselves, which is actually smart. You know, not the same thing about... You know, well, you know, you'll get some land to do this because, you know, if you go to Waco, if you think about the, the Waco, Texas incident, you know, the branch uh, Davidians, you know, you're talking about you living off the grid and, you know, you've got your little compound and this and that, you know, as soon as they hear something not right, government coming. They're coming. You sovereign, and you don't have to be the word sovereign. You saying you're doing your own thing, attaching the government, and you have these rights and this and that. It's like okay, you know, all right, that's cool. And as soon as they think, oh hey, you broke out, you call yourself, you know, whatever, you define yourself. However, we think you broke this law. And like, no, we didn't break no law. We're not um, entitled to be bound to your law. They're like, oh yeah, they're like yeah. What you gonna do? Well, we're coming in. Well, come on. <laughs> and I and I don't believe, you know, I, and I could be wrong. The Moors are willing and are able to to take that step, nor to promote that, because you know that that's where that comes in. Because yes, yeah, I mean it's the logical conclusion. I'm sure as brilliant as as many of them are. I've spoken to them. They understand that, but they know once you do this one thing, they say, okay, you know, you're you're beating the system legally and this and that. That's another thing to say. You're taking money out the system's pocket, and you're not only in the system's pocket. You're creating a movement that has other people wanting to do that. That becomes a little bit different. And then you're talking about having a compound. Remember, this this system runs on people being cogs. Right. So as you start removing yourself from the system, then you no longer become useful. And if you're not useful, you need to make sure you're not becoming a problem. And if you and you know you could be not you could be not useful but not be a problem. But once you're promoting this idea that other people start paying attention and considering it, now you become a problem. You're not just useless now. You know, you're useless and you're a problem. Right. So that's how that works with, you know, the 
you know, five DVDs with the law and doing this. And I, you know, I, again, I've known people who spoke about numerous successes, but, you know, the land, you know, the, um, Sekua Wusu is the, um, president of the New Republic of Africa. And he speaks about, you know, uh, zones down, the, you know, area down in the south for black people. You know, um, <clears throat> Dr. Mustafa Ansari in, on the West Coast, you know, he talks about having a plebiscite. You know, so there's a lot of talk amongst our people, and all these people eventually will be, you know, people of, of, of interest. Interesting. You know, I'm, I'm already, I know I'm, so, I'm on somebody's file somewhere, so, you know. <laughs> you and me both, you and me both. So if you don't mind, let me put you back, uh, let me put you back on hold. I want to get, I see we got seven minutes left. I wasn't able to get into the book review um, now, but. But we'll, we'll we'll do that soon. But I got this one other piece that sort of ties in with that. As far as I could definitely see this being this, what I'm about to read will be um, expounded on if folks did move forward with this um, with with the being sovereign and then doing the nation building piece onto that. And uh, this came from CNN.com. So let me let me put you back on hold. I ain't go and we baby stick around. Yeah, sure. Go ahead, bro. All right. All right. And thanks for the comment. All right. Um, so, yeah, let me add this last piece in real quick. We've got six minutes left. Um, this is from CNN.com. Dugald um, McConnell. And I'm trying to – I don't see the date on here. I did it – I, I pulled it off late August. Court allows agents to secretly place GPS trackers on cars. Law enforcement officers may secretly place a GPS device on a person's car without seeking a warrant from a judge, according to a recent federal appeals court ruling in California. And like you know, if stuff happened in California, that's the bellwether state, and so everybody else that wants to do it will use the California example as justification for them to do it. DEA agents in Oregon in 2007 surreptitiously placed a GPS to a silver Jeep owned by Juan Pineda Moreno, whom they suspected of growing marijuana, according to the court papers. When Pineda Moreno was arrested and charged, one piece of evidence was the GPS data, including the longitude and latitude of where the Jeep was driven, how long it and how long it stayed. Prosecutors asserted the Jeep had been driven several times to remote rural locations where agents discovered marijuana being grown. Now, Pineda Moreno eventually pleaded guilty to conspiracy to grow marijuana, and he's serving a 51-month sentence. But he tried to appeal on the grounds that sneaking onto a person's driveway excuse me, and secretly tracking their car violates the person's reasonable expectation of privacy. His lawyer, um, Harrison Lato, said they went onto the property several times in the middle of the night without his knowledge and without his permission. 
the U.S. Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals rejected the appeal twice in January of this year by a three-judge panel and then again in the full court earlier in this month, I guess in August. The judge who affirmed Fanetta's conviction did so without comment. Um, now, his attorney, again, Harrison Lato, says that the Ninth Circuit decision means Law enforcement can place trackers on cars without seeking court permission in the nine western states, the California circuit base court, the circuit in the nine western states the California based circuit covers. The ruling likely won't be the end of the matter. A federal appeals court here in DC arrived at a different conclusion in a similar case saying officers who attach a GPS to a car of a suspected drug dealer should have sought a warrant. Experts say the issue could eventually reach the Supreme Court. Now, one of the dissenting judges in the Panetta Moreno case um, says the defendant's driveway was private and that the decision would allow police to use tactics that he personally calls creepy and underhanded. The vast majority of the 60 million people living in the Ninth Circuit will see their privacy uh, materially diminished by the panel's ruling. And there's a few other folks that commented on here. If the court's um, privacy advocate says, if the courts allow the police to gather up this information without a warrant, Without a warrant, the police could place a tracking device on any individual's car without having to ever justify the reason why they did it. So now, of course, um, you've got some supporters of this decision who say that GPS trackers are no more intrusive than other means of surveillance, such as visually following a person, and that doesn't require a court's approval. And that's interesting. (laughs) Um, A stakeout of somebody doesn't require a court's approval. You left place, you left, this is one of the defenders talking. You left place A at this time, you went to place B, you took this street. That information can be gleaned in a variety of ways, says David Rifkin, a former Justice Department attorney. It can be old surveillance by tailing you unbeknownst to you, or it could be GPS. He says that a person cannot automatically expect privacy just because something is on private property. He ends by saying, you have to take measures to build a fence, put the car in a garage, or post a no trespassing sign. If you don't do that, you're not going to get the privacy. Wow. (laughs) Wow, that's um, interesting and disturbing all at once. Um, now, I know, you know, us in here in D.C., they say that they came, it was a similar case, and they judged the other way. But, yeah, like they say, I could see that going to the Supreme Court because, yeah, they, 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 your own driveway is not private, your own yard is not private. And I'm sure, you know, police can get around some damn no trespassing time, um, building a fence, <laughs> put the car in the garage, they're going to get around that too if they really, really want to get you. So um, for folks, again, who are about righteousness and are, are fervent against this American system and, and Caucasoid ways, we're going to have to be careful um, because obviously it's already in the courts. Caucasoids can secretly place GPS trackers on your cars and what you're doing and monitor activity and all that sort of stuff. 
Um, for the few folks who are in the chat room, the live chat on the computer is about to cut off, so if you want to be a part of the continued discussion, which will be short tonight, 760-454-1111, we will be back same time next week, um, and we'll be talking about how to make a Negro Christian. I'm going to do some shameless self-promotion, but we're going to walk through my book, How to Make a Negro Christian, and we'll learn about the words of George Colcock Jones, a B.B. Fahodier, Total African Liberation. system of European control works is that you have to accept a concept of reality which makes them superior. If you deny that, their thing will not work and they will lose their control. All right. And an hour goes by quick. Goodness, goodness. I'm doing the read and stuff, and I look up, and I'm like, hey, 15 minutes. <laughs> so everybody's about to be brought in um, live. The switchboard's about to drop out, and we can continue this discussion for a while. Uh, maybe there were some interesting news items that that that, that grabbed you and you want to share them. If you've got a lot of loud noise in the background or whatever, whatnot, you might want to mute your phone, but otherwise, uh, the switchboard will drop, and please state your name and tell us where you're calling from. Mr. Whole Lipsism calling from Brooklyn. Hey, what's up, man? Peace, bro. B.B. Fahudie, did I say it right? Yeah. <laughs> Yo, I had a question, total man. total African liberation. Oh, go ahead. Um, if you technically, if you're against the state, that would that's what would classify you as a terrorist, right? I yes, I think so. Um, yeah, yeah, Pepper's on here too. He might be able to to to, to, to go in more in depth than that, but I think so. Okay, because my question is, can I get Holipsism's Haven labeled as a terrorist show? <laughs> I mean, I consider that a badge of honor. If you're against the state, you know, that's, that's great. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, it could be. I don't know the New York laws, you know, that might be... <laughs> Yeah, that 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 may be something that you know neither, especially with NYPD. You know, you want to be real mindful of that. But um, yeah, if you if you really like for real, if when it comes to and again, there's a you know there's information I have and there's books they give you. 
actually when I was in D.C., I actually took a training for the Metro to do what to do, how to do with the Metro in case of a terrorist um, attack. And what it is is that if you're um, trying to, again, you know, a lot of this with money. If you're trying to upset the system and mess up the money, because you know you don't mess with white people and their money. They get real nasty. It's like, okay, you know what? That's the, oh, you messing my money. And anything that takes away from the from the cog, if, if you're removing components from the structure, if you're slowing it down, if you're siphoning off of it, because the the, the organization, like not not the Wichita, is interesting that you mentioned um, Kamal. Because I heard of a couple people, you know, connecting with the Wichita, and I was like, wait a minute.
know, so we got to understand yeah. that. You know, the, the whole point when you get, and plus sovereignty is a political term. The correct term, if people are really um, want to be outside of the political system, then they would consider themselves autonomous. But as long as there's a presence of a state, you're never going to be autonomous because the state wants there is no out in the state. There's no opt-out. If you live here, we're going to extract resources from you to keep the state going. And that's really what it's all about. Wow, bro, that's, 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 that's so deep because I had this conversation with folks all the time, and I had to actually change my position and what I was saying because what happened when I was speaking about nation building, I was mentioning the term sovereignty, and I realized I had a lot of people getting at me. I'm like, yeah, I like what you said about sovereignty. And over the blood, and when I started reading the term, I understand that, oh, I can't use this term no more because that's not what I'm talking about. So I started using the word autonomous, and that's what I've been – it's interesting you said it. That's the word I use, you know, even with the the, the, the – uh, crisis preparedness system I created, which is prepared, autonomous, sustainable solution, it, it, it's basically um, uh, to make sure the African people are able to obtain autonomy and making sure that we're able to take care of ourselves and our survival needs from the ground up. Then we can talk about, you know, being, because a lot of people talk about, you know, you said something, brother, about um, going into court and trying to tell them that their system uh, doesn't have jurisdiction over you, but you're here because they have some kind of power over you, some kind of authority that allows you to even speak to them and try to even um, counter them. If they didn't have right. jurisdiction and you're able to uphold that, you wouldn't have to be in there. You just take the sign of petition, whatever. You're like, yo, you can't do nothing. I'm not even hearing you. You just ignore them. Right. It's like an elephant, you know, um, you know, complaining about a mosquito. Like, oh, the mosquito. Yo, the elephant doesn't have to even acknowledge the existence of the mosquito. But like Brother Kamal said earlier, if you're talking about um, being that hard body, like for real, for real, then yeah, you're gonna have to be able to defend yourself with force. And, and they don't want to talk about that because when you start talking about that, you start bringing other stuff on you that they're not ready to deal with. So <laughs> the smart thing is to deal with it in that way. No, seriously, because you see, you can't just talk about oh, well, yeah. We, again, there's a lot of quote unquote white groups said something real similar. They're definitely against the United States. I found about them in 90, about 95 when I was looking at um, preparedness back then. And those groups are anti-government, anti, you know, they said the Constitution's interpretation is wrong, and, and those people are on, are on this too. And they feel like, yo, I'm not bottom about this and this and that and they're going to live all over the land but trust me, they got plenty of copper shots plenty plenty of stuff to defend themselves against the government why do you think, you know 
they talk about the Second Amendment, or even they pray <laughs> It's real clear. Yo, listen, I tell people to join the NRA. I, I, I have to renew my subscription to the NRA. If you talk about nation building, you better join the NRA. Period. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to go back to... Brother, I just want to... How are you defi- defining sovereignty? Because maybe... My definition of it is a bit different, or, or why why don't you use that term anymore? I don't use that term because my my, my brother um homotism. Am I saying it correctly, bro? Yes. Yes. Homotism says um once you start saying that term and using that term, what happens is. And in speaking about it, it 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 puts you in a in a, in a political situation as opposed to a a life um, a practical situation. Because when you're talking about sovereignty, it's a reaction to something else. We talk about autonomous. That's just you. That's you doing you. And you doing you does not have to have anything to do with pledging sovereignty versus whatever else is going on. You doing you is just that. You doing you. You autonomous. Right. You don't have to claim more. And I had to learn that. I didn't know that at first because I was using that, and I was like, oh. And I started speaking to the Dr. Ansari um, out in California, who was an international lawyer. And he was getting me real familiar with the terms and whatnot. And he contacted me because I was talking about sovereignty because it is a political thing. And he started asking me about what was I willing to work and help him get a purpose side. This and I was like, oh, whoa, 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 This is not what I was talking about. I can't assist you, but I understand what that does. And that also brings attention because it's, my thing is like this, and we're talking about liberation, helping our people. We need to decide what type of attention you want to bring to us and what's the benefit of bringing that attention. If you're just trying to be an internet superstar, you know, like like, like some whose names I won't mention, <laughs> say it. I'll say it. That, that's what I do. Like, you know, Sarah Seti and a couple of these brothers, and you want to be an internet star and, you know, all this other stuff. You know, that's one you thing. You think that's all right? Huh? No, go ahead. You know, another thing is when you're bringing that attention to yourself, it's for what purpose and for, you know, what benefit. We know about Harriet Tubman now after she did what she did. Do you think you remember that? You're saying sovereignty should be a more long-term goal and autonomy no. should be a more short-term goal? No, let, let me give you my take on, on this. See, sovereignty is something that, if you notice, when the Moors tell you about these strategies that they use in court, it's like, in order for you to implement them, you have to go, you have to basically claim yourself as a more. 
So basically what you're doing is you're, you're using a sovereignty is a political term. It's how in relationship to how a sovereign uh, nation works in relationship to the court system or in relationship to another nation. If you're an individual and you don't want none of it, you don't want to be a part of anything. You just want to claim yourself as a as a person here. The only thing, what that would be called is autonomous. It's not really a legal term. It's just what you naturally are. So I don't need to claim more when I walk into a courtroom because when you um, go to court, the only thing you need to know about law is the the issue of standing. In other words, um, standing has to be shown in order for you to even be, in order for a case to be, you know, there has to be a case, again, you know, present in order for the court to do anything. And the problem, and this becomes problematic when you start dealing with the state, because like let's say in a traffic violation, the state has you in a courtroom saying that you violated the state. Well, then who's the state? Because I want to, I want to cross-examine the state. If you're saying that I injured somebody, who's the person that I injured? You're going to have a hell of a time producing the state so I can cross-examine it because who's representing the state in the courtroom? The judge works for the state. The prosecutor works for the state. <laughs> so who's so who who are you actually damaging? Is the judge saying that you damaged him? No. Is the prosecutor saying that you damaged him? No. You can't say that the state is the ground because I can't put the ground on the stand. <laughs> right, right. So who is actually being damaged? And see that what what usually happens in a case like that, they hurry up, drop the proceedings and dismiss you out of the courtroom. Because if they go into it other people in the courtroom are going to know what you're doing. See, if you don't know what's happening, the judge will know exactly what you're doing, and he'll say, well, let's let this And he'll either get very upset or he'll stop the proceedings and say, you know, and, and dismiss it or, or put it off to another time because there is no state. State doesn't exist. It's a political concept. Mm-hmm. And you're going to have a hell of a time, according to their laws, Showing that I damaged the ground Because the ground isn't going to collect my money <laughs> You know what I'm saying So it's all, so when you walk in there I don't need to claim more to do that I don't need to claim Wichita Whatever to do that All I have to do Is challenge the legitimacy of the state um, Another question that gets you thrown out of the courtroom Is there evidence of a, of, of a complaining party you say that, the judge will stop it immediately. Is there evidence no, of a complaining pardon? Right. Is there, if you're going to the courtroom on a, on a traffic violation of, you know, somebody's misdemeanor charges, just say, is there evidence of a complaining party? In other words, if you're in the courtroom, they have you in the courtroom saying that you violated something or someone. You have, according to their laws, the right to cross-examine the person that's bringing the case against you. Right. Prove that there's a state. They can't do it. They work off of force. When you pay your taxes, you pay it because you're afraid of going to jail. <laughs> Not because of some law, because most people wouldn't even file their taxes. If it was a case of if you had a choice, most people wouldn't file the taxes, and they'll tell their, they'll tell their employer, don't take any taxes out of my check if you had a choice. So, so well, let me ask you a question, then. So, based on what you're saying, then, 
if I got this correct, the Moors are legitimizing the state. Right, right. <laughs> I got also, but they're also, <laughs> but they're also looking to because you're saying you don't have to be as a Moor, but that's not what Moors are saying. Moors are saying that. Or, or they're they're implying heavily that being a Moor is what allows you to do that. That well, it allows you to utilize that Moorish strategy when you're when you're claiming when you're trying to work off some treaty. Then yeah, you you have to be a Moor if you're going to present that argument. What I'm saying is, if you're talking about courtroom strategy and effectiveness, you don't have to bring any of that stuff up. You can go okay. into the courtroom and interact with the courtroom as a autonomous person and just claim, show me a case. Show me where I'm liable to pay you money at, to the state. Show me. I will, I'm, as a matter of fact, what you do to totally disarm them, you don't go in and challenge the state. You would say, listen, I'm, willing, I'm more than willing to pay whatever your guys say that I owe, but I just have a couple of questions. Is that okay? When a judge says yes, that's okay, he's going to seem very hypocritical to start yelling and screaming at you for asking the question. You just set him up. So it's more, it's more important to get them to contradict themselves than to get them to contradict the law. They'll contradict the law all day long because the law is interpretation. And when you say that you're coming in as a more, what you're doing is you're coming in with a legal strategy to prevent you from doing something that they say that you're supposed to do. And they could dismiss that legal strategy and say that that's irrelevant or that that's um, frivolous. I mean, let's take it outside of the Moors. Um, you, you ever heard of Erwin Schiff? S-C-H-I-F-F, right? Yeah. Yep. He's um, Peter wow. Schiff, who's a, a, a known financial guy. That's his father. His father's in jail right now. He made a book called How Not to Pay Income Taxes or whatever. Now, from a legal perspective, he had a completely rational and sound legal argument. The problem was he actually thought that that shit actually works against the state. They don't care about the law. <laughs> the reason why you're in the courtroom is because of force. Exactly. And, 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 and the reason why, that's why when you said shift, I stole this because I, I read that. I read about him. That's how I know, that's how I know the name. I was like, that's his. Yep, yeah. Because, and this is what I was saying earlier about when people go into the courtroom and, and, and go after these particular laws, you know, what also is not said, if you do it wrong, you're going to jail. So you could have it's like it's like I a game of chess. Yeah, you go exactly. He did it wrong. He did the wrong thing because again, there's 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 ways to, you could do the right thing the wrong way and still end up being wrong. I, I think we don't express that to our people enough. Where good intentions are not always not enough. More often than we like to realize. Well, yeah, I'm right, and not, yeah, but if you do it the wrong way, it's like saying, you know, you come to a stoplight and you hit the brake after you go through the light. You did the right thing the wrong way. You're supposed to hit the brake before you got to the light, not once you pass the light. And and with with um, 
going to court and saying, well, I'm going to do this, and, you know, I want to go and, and fight this. You better make sure you do it the right way. You better know exactly what you're doing and what you're talking about. Because people ask me, well, people were talking about sovereignty, and this and that, people asking me, and I was like, well, you a more? Are you working on that? And I said, no. Well, why not? I said, why? Why does blood you know that you would? I said, no. I said, because to claim that and work on that in that way doesn't benefit what I'm trying to do. And just, just to be able to jump up and say, I'm doing this, or I identify with this for the sake of doing it, long term doesn't do anything. And short term, it just allows me to mentally masturbate or just get off on myself. Like, yeah, I did this. I got another way. I got another way to put it. That's more down home in, in layman's terms. When you go to jail and you're not affiliated with somebody, then you make yourself vulnerable. So what people do is more. What they do is it's like you go to jail and then you become Muslim because the Muslims have a little clique that you can be a part of and be protected. <laughs> so that's basically what they're doing. Mm. Yes, that's what they're doing. Okay. You know, they're not being, they're not standing on their own square and just being. They're, they're aligning themselves up with a group because they want to get the benefits of the protection of that group. When you know, when you really know what's going on legally, and and keep in mind, if the force is the is the determiner, if, if behind all this rhetoric and all this paperwork is a gun then there is, you can go to jail when you did the right thing, not necessarily the wrong thing. You can have a complete rational reasoning and you can still be put in jail because it's not about your legal argument. So I think this... Go ahead, I want to hear about that. About the fourth piece, Kurt. The fourth piece that... um, that you mentioned, brother, um, homopism, is that I think that's a piece that is not addressed enough that um, what we're talking about with the race and, and things like that, you know, that, yeah, even our best-made plans, what we're talking about, unless we figure out a way to divert or or no, I mean, not say or let me say if you find a way to move around the force with less detrimental force or avoid the force from being as um, imposing, then most of the things that we're doing ultimately will just say, like, okay, we'll intend the force on, that's it. So, okay, yeah, that's cute. Well, yeah, you got the, oh, you got me, you got a little traffic ticket. Yeah, that's nice, thank you. Oh, yeah, you got this money, this and that. But as soon as it comes down to it, I'm like, okay, this is enough. You got we letting you win too many battles. You got enough battles. You're not going to win the war because in the end, I have the guns. And that's why when you talk about, you know, a lot of these different, there's, um, there's Waco and there's another one, uh, Ruby Rich, where technically, you know, Waco and, um, Ruby Ridge was like, look, we just doing our thing. We don't want to be bothered. We have the right, the Constitution. And on paper, they were right. 
It's a hump day. They did. It's a hump day. They're like, you know what? You're right, but we're going to be wrong and strong. Okay. When they decide to be wrong and strong, when they, when they decide to be wrong and strong, they just do what the hell they want. Like, you know, brother just said, they use force. I'm like, oh, look, might is right. Now, when I looked at this, I just looked up sovereignty online on a few different places, and they keep they a lot of them use them use that in autonomy um, synonymously, a supreme power, especially over body politic. Um, the B part is freedom from external control or autonomy, um, one that is sovereign, especially an autonomous state. So, so the, 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 at least on this particular definitional page, dictionary.com, that within the legal, I just read the legal dictionary part from Merriam-Webster's Dictionary of Law. They sort of use it simultaneously. I mean, and again, when we talk in nation building. Of course we want to be sovereign, and then we are, as a sovereign entity, engaging with other, quote-unquote, sovereign entities, right? I mean, so, but we should, I'm thinking we shouldn't be using the term now because we're not close to that, so I can see we're using autonomous as individuals and then growing that up, and then once the nation building happens, then we start talking about being a sovereign nation, is is that where y'all are going, or or y'all say Sister Morris have just totally undermined the term sovereignty and sovereign? We should leave it alone and and, and use this other term. Well, for me, it was real clear that you can't have sovereignty without autonomy. You can't. You can't have true sovereignty without autonomy. So. Speak about sovereignty and not have an autonomous situation to me made no sense. Like, okay, this is this makes no sense. I gotta stop saying that. This is this is stupid. We don't have autonomy. You're not gonna have sovereignty. You just can't. So the reason why you see it interchangeable because autonomy is implicit within sovereignty, true sovereignty. Because, like, for example, you talk about other nations around the world. They're seen as sovereign nations. That's the political sense. But they have a certain level of autonomy that allows them to be sovereign to that degree. And one part of sovereignty, whether they have the biggest guns or the smallest guns, is to protect themselves from force. Now, that force may be minuscule compared to, say, what the United States has, but at least there's some resistance to that. As well as other autonomous, you know, situations they have within, you know, their sovereign land, quote-unquote. But, you know, you can't have autonomy. I mean, you can't have sovereignty without having autonomy. So I said, this is not what I'm trying to say. It it, it does lead to that, but that's, that's jumping the gun. As far as I'm concerned, so I no longer use that term that way. Although eventually, yes. You got a take on that, hold up. 
Or is he still there? <laughs> Uh-oh. Hello? Cause he, yeah, I guess he may have left us. Cause he I had just looked out. I think the brother might have fell asleep. Possibly. He's gone. Anyway. Yeah, I just looked up autonomy, the quality or state of being self-governing or the right of self-government. So, yeah, I can see. Yeah, you got to get there first. And then when you talk about, okay, now I have this, now we can then be a sovereign nation. But, yeah, sovereignty without, uh, yeah, yeah, I can see one feeding into the other. I had no chance. I thought I, I, you know, I was like, yeah, in the blah blah blah, you know, taking a page from you know, Ajia Koto, you know, and you know, Kuya Koto. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Like I said, when I had people coming at me and asking me questions, and they were giving me that the mad props, I'm like, yeah, are you breaking it down? The blah blah. blah. But they were asking me to be involved in certain stuff. I'm like, no, I'm not trying to be involved in that because I'm talking about building autonomy. And I didn't understand that I was, I meant what I said. I was just saying the wrong thing. I was using the wrong terminology, I should say, because everything I said appealed, but the terminology they were using was like Brother Holy Trinity. Um, from a political type piece, and you know, once you have autonomy and you create that and you sustain that, you know, you don't even need to be a state technically. You know, I mean, at first to to, to carry influence and weight, you know, especially the way the capitalistic system is, you know, because if you if you um just the so-called, the so-called, you trust the Zionists, you know, Zionists, so-called Jewish people, you know, they have they only got a land about fifty years ago. Give or take. Hmm. Okay. They've been making influence and making inroads and and you know controlling situations for quite a quite a while without a land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I don't see why we here um in America are unable to to look at that and study that and we Africanize the strategies and tactics that they used. You know, that that that's a whole other piece. I think it needs to be done. That protocol of Zion needs to be done. That's how they got their power. Uh, can we do that, please? <laughs> <laughs> like, duh. Oh, what the? Like, oh, but that's how I'm doing it. Uh, well, why don't we do that? And, you know, and a lot of times, you know, with the sovereignties and what people are saying, there's a lot of trappings intellectually that happens. Like, people won't use, people assign the strategies and tactics to the, to, the, to the group of people. 
and therefore they feel, okay, if I use their tactics and strategies, I'm being like them. No. You're only being like them if your agenda is the same as, same, same as them and if you're, you know, your interest is the same. You just use their tactics. You know, two people use a gun. You know, one person shoots someone to save the life of their mom. The other one used the gun to rob somebody. It's the same gun. <laughs> right. Right. You know, I don't use guns because gun, you know, robs such and such person. When somebody's coming after you defending your family, you know, the gun is seen differently. And that's where we have to gather. We're definitely in a mental cage with that. Because, like, the people who, who, who have mentioned, I know someone, um, Kofi Ajapong, who's, who's Sada, Sada, he he has been speaking about the Jews and what they've done and how we can look at what they've done and create something similar. And people have been attacking him wrongfully because he said that. And so, oh, you try to praise the Jews and then it did. You know, you're giving them too much credit, this and that. And that's and it's just a distortion. He said the same thing that Obama Wiley said, like, look, when you have a uh, when you have a group of people that you've seen his uh, paraphrasing, you've seen done certain things to solve the similar problem to yours, use what they did. Mm-hmm. Tailor it to what you need to do to to, to you know, fit within your cultural orientation, but yeah, if you can use it, <laughs> if you can use it, use it. Now, I don't know, I, you know, you got the issue, I don't know if it'll work for us because we would be black folks trying to do it. <laughs> they can let their cousins get away with certain stuff, but they might have issue with their quote-unquote property doing certain stuff. Because they still see us as their property. <laughs> the one thing that if you talk about Zionists, the one thing they made sure is that they were not that they were autonomous. They made their own money. They controlled resources. Right. All right. Hey fellas, I'm back. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I'm at work so I'm like doing two things at one time. But yeah, um I heard everything you said though about the um, the sovereignty issue. Nations are sovereign, you know, like I think that the to address the point you was making, um, Kamal, um, I'm looking at the individual. You know, like when we when you're talking about nations then sovereignty comes into effect because you're interacting with other nations. So there is some politics to that, you know what I mean? Okay, okay. And when you're talking about individuals, you you don't you're not a nation, you're a person, you're an individual. So you don't have to claim any nationality or nationality in order to get certain um, rights and all of this other stuff. Because if you really look at it in the grand context of things, there is no such thing as rights. Because if there was a thing such as rights, no one would be able to take it away from you. Hmm. Okay. You know what I mean? I mean, if you really look at it from that sense, so then what you are basically doing 
your position as an individual is you just want to be left alone. You want to live your life. You want to do what you have to do, and you don't want to have to interact and have your money extorted from you, from some so-called state, which is really just a bunch of women and men with guns. That's all the state is. Um, you know, yeah, that's what nationalizing means. <laughs> I'm going to nationalize the bank. What it means, I'm going to take your money. Yeah, you said something you said about rights, huh? What you said yeah. about rights is so is so true because rights are something that's given to you, and if it's given to you, that means it can be taken away. Thank and, you. and that means you concede authority when you talk about rights. You're saying, okay, you, I've allowed you the permission, or rather, I allow you the authority to provide me these rights. Because without authority, there is no rights. It's like, you know, like you said, there's no rights. It's like, if, I'm, if, if you're saying I have this because you gave it to me, that means that I have the authority to give it to me. And I have to concede and, and what's the word? Uh, yeah, that's it. That's sorry. the word. That's the word. Yeah, yeah. right. Oh, wait, I hold on. Yeah, that's, okay. I have to concede that. So the minute I concede that, then I'm saying, okay, you're more powerful. You have authority to grant this to me. You know, and, and a lot of things, you know, with terminology and whatnot, they have to be very, very careful with and then dealing with, you know, these particular situations legally, but even how we frame things in our mind mm-hmm. conceptually. So basically and we're still... With the... Go ahead. Yeah, I was saying, I understand what the certain Morris brothers are doing. Like, if you claim yourself as a nation and you interact with the state as a sovereign, then what you have is diplomatic immunity. You know? You know, they try to go in on that route. You know, like, uh, well, I'm a, dip- I'm a part of this nation. I'm a representative of this nation, so I have sovereignty. And so um, if your nation is acknowledged in the courtroom, that's um, in, a, in, in benign situations, situations that are really not that relevant or important, more than likely the, the, the judges in them have so many court cases, a lot of times they let you go and, and dismiss it because it's not worth their time. So it's like sort of like when you're a fisherman and you have fish and you catch a small fish, you throw it away because it's not really worth you keeping it. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like that. that those were the victories when when you use a strategy like that. And even it's just, even on um, the victory, when you go the autonomous strategy of just going in there as an individual, you 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 want to be that small fish that they toss away. That's what you want. You don't want them to waste their time trying to get you, you know extract money from you. They're like, ah, oh, this is a waste of time. We're dealing with small potatoes. Let them go. See, but when you get to be a Wesley Snipe status. Mm. It's going to be a little bit harder for them to let him go because his payout is greater. Right, right. 
And not just that, if he's successful, and not just not just his payout's greater, but if he happens to even, if they conceive him being successful, just the amount itself will, let, will lead a lot of people to be like, yo, I need, exactly. I need to get with this. Exactly. At least, and as far as they're concerned. Right. They don't want the people to know what time it is. And Wesley Snipes had a perfect, if you notice, he didn't really go to jail for any major charges. It was misdemeanor. What they did was they gave him misdemeanor charges and then it maxed out the sentence. Hmm, okay. So it's not, it's not like he went there for not paying taxes. That's not really true. <laughs> he, went to, he went there for not filing and, you know, things like that. And so what they did was they took that little minor charge and then gave him the maximum sentence time. Hmm. And they probably had some backroom conversations with him and say, yo, look, what you tried to do, cute, and that's nice, but trust me, we'll get at you harder in a different way that you're not going to be able to recover from. So just, right. just eat this. Imagine Hold this. a highly publicized case, a highly publicized case with a bunch of cameras on. They're going to, in a courtroom, admit that he's not supposed to pay taxes. <laughs> That's not going to happen. So, so like I said, it, it, no matter what, the, 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 there's a gun behind that paperwork. Underneath all them suits and paperwork and law and words is a gun. So, see, I'm trying to get to the end of the day piece. I'm trying to get to the end of the day piece. Yeah, I mean, so so if we go the sovereign route, if we go the autonomous route that eventually leads to sovereignty and we're creating our nation, then we will eventually need to defend it, basically. And then if we want to claim sovereignty and autonomy and we're not listening to your rules and whatever, whatnot, when they come with their force, we should have some type of force to then back it up so then they can deal with us in the ideal sense, as an actual sovereign group and with, you know, political processes right. to deal with certain people versus just coming in and Wacoing people. That, is that what I'm hearing? Right. right. And see, my issue with, and I don't think that the Moors are being disingenuous. I, I don't want anybody to get that impression. I don't think that they're, I really think that they're sincere in, in, in their way of attacking the situation, and that's why the whole thing about, the labeling of black versus African and all that other stuff comes up. I don't. I think that they're genuine and they're sincere in their take on it. My take on it, just looking at it, is that you don't have to go that route and teach that to our people. Oh, you don't want to be African, you want to be more. That's that's a non sequitur as far as I'm concerned. It, it, it's, it's an argument that makes absolutely no sense and it's not even relevant. You don't have to um, claim Moorish um, nationality to interact with the courts. You can interact with the courts simply by virtue of the fact of pointing out that there is no state. There is no state. State doesn't exist. That's it. That's all the law you need to know. Have you known or do you have any personal experiences with folks who have used that argumentation and have been successful? Or, And if not, what would be some of the counters that, that, that they would say as far as 
well, there is a state here, the state versus da da da, and this person, you know, the like I thought the um, what's the name, the the, the DA? I thought the DA represents the state. Um, yeah, so but I guess the that's DA is going to have to prove. Is the DA collecting the money? Is he personally suing you? If, if he's if the DA is saying that you injured me, that's a different story because then he has, then you can cross examine the DA, put him on the stand, and say, oh, well, what makes you think? Like, show me how I injured you. Show me how I committed a crime against you. If he's saying, well, I represent the state, well, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to the person you represent. <laughs> because you're not bringing the charges up against me; they are. They can't do it. That just that just seems so so simple. So it seems like they would have come up with, with something against that. <laughs> I, I mean, how many people? But how many people are actually doing that? <laughs> you know, most yeah. people are not because most people are caught up in that constitution crap. They're caught up in, in in thinking that the constitution is actually a valid document. And so they go in there with a constitutional argument. Well, according to the Constitution, they violate the Constitution on a daily basis. They don't care about the Constitution. So if you think that that's going to protect you, then you're, you're going in there with a flawed um, strategy and you're going to go to jail. Right. Hmm. You know, if all of those are tactics and strategies, and a lot of if you just look at the history of them, see which works and which doesn't. Hmm. Following the strategy that I'm talking about, if the judge decides to play hardball and just railroad you into jail, all you got to do is appeal it and you win them on, on the appeal because they know that they cannot reveal that their power comes from force. They have to the market implementation. But the reason why you are in jail because you broke a law and you broke some type of viol you violated some principle or some law. They have to make you believe that because. The proper thing that they could do, if this was an honest situation, when you go to the courtroom, what the judge would say is, listen, we need money from you, so you're going to give it to us, or are we going to fuck you up? <laughs> that's, a, that's honest. That's my authority. My authority is the ability to kill you, so give me your money. But they're not going to do that. They have to make it legitimate. Mm. Yeah, and then they try to convince you, well, you know, you accept. But also, too, this is why, you know, and speaking of some of the, the Moorish brothers and sisters, they talk about, you know, signing certain documents and agreeing to certain terms. Because once you agree to, like, do certain things or file for certain things, um, then yeah, then then you are, then you, you, you definitely have to follow the authority because you signed it. I can't remember offhand, but certain things like birth certificates and and a couple other things you talk about, driver's licenses. Once you agree to certain terms, then yeah, you agree to um, be under their authority by agreeing to these particular terms. But you know what the wonderful part about it is, brother? Even if you have a uh, Social Security card, you have a birth certificate, it's all issued by the so-called state, the argument still works. It still works. Uh, 
<laughs> is that you still, if somebody says that you committed a crime against them, you have the right to cross-examine the person that says that they that you did it, and they can't get around that. Now, what do you know about this driver's license thing? Because I hear some people saying they don't have a driver's license and still be able to drive, and they show them their, their Morris or other something they show them or something they say that allows them to be let go. My thing is, what is the reason? What I question is, what is the reason why you're driving? What is the reason why you don't want the driver's license? That's what I would question anybody about. It's like if you're going to do something, it can't just be doing it just to be doing it. You know, like, well, I want to. I don't want to drive without a license because everything that you do has a you know has a reaction to it. If you, there's people that drive in um, certain libertarian um, states with no plates. But what's going to happen is this police is going to stop you. So my thing is, what is it that you're trying to accomplish? If I'm trying to get to where I'm going, I might not go that route. Because if I'm driving out on the highway or driving out in the street, and I don't have, like, I'm giving all these red flags, like, well, like, he doesn't have a license plate, you know, he just, and then the cop stops me, I don't have a license. I'm going to be spending the majority of my time in the courtroom. So what I question is, what is the purpose behind it? Because you know, I can get a driver's license or a state ID, and that doesn't stop um, me from being able to, you know, use this tactic in a courtroom. Hmm. Interesting. We probably only got about seven minutes left, so... <laughs> Before this was going to get cut off But did you have an answer to that Or Yeah Kepper or A comment back to that or No um, No brother You know explained it uh, Quite well You know I just Can agree and affirm what he said Have you done a show? Hold up. Have you done a show breaking this this type of um, understanding down, looking at the state critically, and because and, I know you did the one just talking about do what type of political system what we want. You went through different systems, but I mean just something centrally focused on understanding this concept of a state and how it's not valid and other stuff like that. Have you done a show solely on that yet? Not yet, but I'm I'm working on it. I'm putting some some stuff together because um, it, you know it's like it's sort of like two things going on. It's like how do you maneuver within this system, and also how do we go about formulating our own system? So it's like dual things, and it's like each person has to decide what lines they have that they're willing not to cross. Like for me, um, before when I was learning about all this information about legal, you know, legal, and I did learn initially from the Moors, and that's what helped me because I learned about a lot of their sports strategies. But I learned about that. I learned about the constitutional sports strategy, just seeing the results, the practical results, not the rhetoric, the practical results of what it is that you're trying to do and how is the court reacting to it. And what I what I discovered through my research is that whenever you present a legal argument, 
the court will shoot that down. There are people that there are courtrooms that won't. A judge made the statement in the Erwin Schiff case. He told Erwin Schiff in the courtroom, "This is on on record. I will not allow you to use the law in my courtroom." <laughs> the hell? This is on record. So what is your so when the judge says that to you, what is your what's your response to that? <laughs> wow. And you can look and anybody who wants to look up, look up the Irwin Schiff tax trial and I forget the judge's name. I wish I had his name, I can tell you that. But the judge said I will not allow you to use the court use the law in my courtroom. That's on record. Because he was bringing up the um, Constitution, he was bringing up the Supreme Court cases to show what the courts feel about, you know, um, the, the the label of income tax, what they define income tax as. Mm-hmm. I've heard, you, you know, the brother on the line has heard these arguments before. <laughs> you know? Right, right. But the judge refused wow. to let him even bring the Supreme Court cases into his um, case. He wouldn't even allow it. So then you're sitting there basically... <laughs> In a kangaroo courtroom, you know, going through the motions of legality, where the ultimate goal is to get your ass in jail for the other people ain't following you. Right. <laughs> wow. So when we, we we legitimize the state when we bring in legal arguments, my thing is don't give it no legitimacy. My thing is proof, just the facts, just proof. You show me the existence of a state. Show me that I owe that state money. Good luck. And I'm following your legal procedures. When they present you a letter, you write back to them, and you you present that argument. As long as you're responding, they can't act against you. The only time they act against you, like the IRS will act against you, if you don't respond to a notice, then after that they go into the second action against you, which is usually a garnishment or something like that. But as long as you're interacting and responding with them, they can't put no court order against you. Man, this this is gonna be a good archive to listen back to, especially this part. Um, because like I say, it's about to drop us off with this yeah. second hour. What's the what's the, what's the brother's name on the sh- on the, um, um? I didn't get his name. Yeah, 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 Kepler. Yeah, we got to do a show. I definitely want him to come on one of my shows, and we'll I I dedicate a show to it because I've been wanting to talk about it for a while. I mean, it's, it's. Oh, you stood. Yeah, I'm stood. Yeah, I, I was just. I heard you called. Um. So again, the legal piece, you know, and and like I said, I mentioned him before, Doctor Mustafa. I'm sorry, you know, he's the international law. He really broke it down to help me understand why, you know, it's important to have the language properly stated and how you identify talking about things. It's very, very, very important. And that's in the legal sense, but also I think conceptually what happens when we don't define these things properly, we get caught in, in... 
using, you know, tactics that are not benefiting what we're ultimately trying to do. So we'll talk about sovereignty and we'll talk about how many court cases that's being won, this and that, and we'll be stuck right there. And that's what I think a lot of times some some of the more 